Welcome to the Lecture Fan Podcast. I'm the number one conservative streamer on Twitch. I believe in the U.S. Constitution, God, family, country. Uh, I do commercial litigation. I've been practicing law for 10 years. I've traveled the country, and I talk about politics every night on Twitch. We just started doing the podcast, so hope you guys enjoy it. This is big, big news. Wall Street Journal from March 15th, 2021, which is today. Germany, France, Italy suspend use of AstraZeneca's COVID-19 vaccine. Countries join others in pausing shots after a small number of cases of blood clotting. Yikes. Germany, Italy, France, Spain join the ranks of European countries that have temporarily halted use of the COVID-19 shot made by AstraZeneca over blood clot concerns, dealing another blow to the continent's sluggish vaccination rollout and threatening the credibility of the vaccine itself. A cascade of cautionary pauses that started last week picked up Monday. Denmark was the first to suspend the shots. Ireland, Norway, Netherlands, Iceland said they would wait for Europe's block-wide medicines regulator to investigate a small number of serious blood clotting issues among people who had received the AstraZeneca shot. The regulator of the European Medicines Agency is expected Thursday to give its verdict on safety and potential risks from a review of the reported cases. The agency on Monday repeated an advisory from last week that for now it is recommending countries keep using the vaccine, saying the benefits outweigh possible risks. The EMA, which acts much like the U.S. FDA in regulating medicines across the EU, said there was no evidence of a link between the reported blood clots and the vaccine. The UK's medicine regulator, the first to greenlight the shot for Matthews in late December, maintained that stance as well, telling Britons to get their shots as planned. Around 11 million AstraZeneca shots have been administered in the UK, making it a central pillar of the country's fast-paced rollout. The vaccine hasn't been approved in the US. Wait, what? AstraZeneca hasn't been approved in the US? Hold on. Since when is AstraZeneca not approved? AstraZeneca is expected to apply for authorization for emergency use once it submits results from phase three human trials conducted in the U.S. Those trials are due as early as this month. The temporary halt to the AstraZeneca shot is another setback in a wider vaccine rollout in Europe, hamstrung by supply shortages and other hurdles. It comes as the continent wrestles with rising numbers of COVID cases. Europe's vaccination rates are far lower than the U.S. and U.K. where COVID-19 cases have stabilized or are falling. Come on. Really? Let's let's do what we usually do on the daily the daily stream. Let's look at the actual the actual epidemiological curve on worldometer.info/coronavirus. Wow, the daily new cases did actually worldwide worldwide they've tanked, but they actually are kind of going back up a little bit worldwide. That's an interesting worldwide view of it. Let's see what the USA looks like. Case numbers are still super low. Wow. Actually down as far as, what is that, 42,000? Active cases. Look at the active cases on the down, on the downslope. Daily deaths on the downslope. I just refuse to believe that, like, let's see. UK, France, Italy, Spain, Germany. These are the top five European countries in total number of cases. Let's really see if their cases are right. Look at the, look at the UK. The mainstream media is reporting that the that the EU is having rising cases. The UK has like dropped off. They're the number one. France daily new cases completely flat. Dude, wow! You look at some of these European countries' curves, like France, 
you can just tell that France did such a hardcore lockdown that now they are going to have to experience the vaccine or the virus for longer. But still not rising, just flat. Italy. Italy, okay. Italy's cases are kind of going back up. Let's see Spain. Spain, still a hard drop-off. Still a hard, hard drop-off. Germany, let's see what Germany's looks like. Germany's a tiny little rise, a tiny little rise. You know what's interesting, though? You look at these epidemiological curves, and you can almost tell which countries have are, are approaching herd immunity and which countries are having cases drop-off and stuff because... If they've got a lot of cases throughout their epidemiological curve, they're actually they're not rising anymore or they're not staying flat. They're they're continuing to drop right now. When you see these places like France where they've hardly had any cases, those are the places where you're seeing the the virus continue to circulate and continue to go. We looked at the top 5 European countries, only one of them is actually having rising numbers of COVID-19 cases. And the mainstream media is reporting it like every European country's got these skyrocketing cases. It's like, no, there's one of them. Suspension of the shot across the continent's wealthiest and most populous countries poses a new threat to the vaccine's credibility. Whether or not a link is shown to exist, health, health policy experts say, decision to pull back from vaccine schedules are bound to fuel hesitancy over AstraZeneca. Dude, of course it's gonna. Of course, people aren't gonna want to take the AstraZeneca vaccine when you when you've got countries pausing it because of a bunch of blood clot issues. Of course. I mean, here's the thing. Like, I'm not anti-vaccines. I don't believe any conspiracy of the things about vaccines or anything. The idea that you know, it it's a big it's a big business, and the government approved it, therefore it must be safe. It totally ignores a history of incorrect things happening, like the talcum powder and shampoo injuries that occurred from Johnson & Johnson. Of course, it, it, miss, it, it totally misses the fact that, you know, sometimes the government has approved things that have led to people getting harmed. It's like, you don't have to be a conspiracy theorist to be just a little bit, you know, you don't have to believe 100 and some people some people know that and they still make that decision which is totally great you know like if you if you understand that yeah there's a there's a chance here that this may um you know there's a chance here that this may not this there's a chance that this may not be safe and i'm just gonna i i just you know i don't want to get the get the vex i don't want to get coronavirus so i'm just i'm just willing to take the risk that's great but what's not what we see from a lot of these leftist Democrats. A lot of these leftist Democrats, they think it's 100% safe. And if you don't believe it's 100% safe, then you're you're a lunatic and you need to be re-educated and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, dude, no, just recognize that just because a government says it's safe doesn't mean that it's safe. The government has said lots of things are safe that end up not being safe. Look at, we're reading an article right here about AstraZeneca now being paused. It's like they wouldn't have paused it if they didn't have concerns. And so were they right? And then the government's constantly changing its mind. Uh, they'll, on one day they'll say, did you guys see that now they're saying you only need three feet? Did you guys see Dr. Fauci saying that now we only need three feet of social distancing in schools? It's like, okay, if you're now saying that we need three feet of social distancing, that means you've been wrong for an entire year saying six feet. You guys don't know what you're talking about. You're just pulling numbers out of the air. Oh, three feet, six feet. Oh, who cares? In Europe, it's five feet or something. It's like, these are just numbers that some bureaucrat came up with. But the way that these Democrats, they think of it as like God's truth. And if the government says it, it's 100%.
District, the GOP Congressman Marjorie Miller Weeks won a razor close election, six votes. The votes were counted, recounted, certified by the state. But the House Administration Committee began a process this week that could lead to unseating the Congresswoman. Okay. That has Republicans accusing you of hypocrisy, including Jim Jordan. He put out this tweet Speaker Pelosi says she's open to unseating Republican Congresswoman Miller Meeks. Translation You're only allowed to object to an election if you're a Democrat. Why investigate an election that was certified by the state? Well, it was six votes. It was six votes. And the, our candidate, Rita Hart, uh, the Democratic candidate, asked for this process to begin. What the committee did, the House Administration Committee... Yeah, and Donald Trump asked for the process to begin as well. That didn't seem to matter to you. When races had been closed, one side or the other saying, let's... Let's take it to the House, because even Justice Scalia agreed that the House has the authority to seat members, and therefore we can count the votes. Six. So just so she's saying just because it was a close race, that means that we get to just put, put seat whoever we want. It's like and just because Scalia said that you have the power to do it doesn't mean that what you're doing is right. It's like, yeah, the and, and lots of people think that Congress has the authority to reject presidential electors, too. But you guys literally thought that was, like, worse than 9-11 to, to suggest that uh, the electors from certain states should be rejected. This is insane hypocrisy. How do people, I mean, ha people have to see that this is just, she hasn't given a single good reason why this is any different from any Republican who's ever contested an election. Six votes out of 400,000 cast. Uh, for them uh, to call anybody hypocritical about elections when two thirds of them in the House voted against accepting the presidency of Joe Biden is, well, it's just who they are. Finally, I wanna ask you about New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, a majority of New York's congressional delegation. Both senators have- So because, because the Republicans voted against accepting certain states and they had a valid constitutional reason to do so. Now, that that's the same as Nancy Pelosi just choosing a Democrat just because it was a close race. Did you notice that Nancy Pelosi didn't have a single valid reason about why she would she would seek that other person? She didn't say she didn't say she just said, oh, it was six votes. It was close. That that means we're just going to we're just going to overrule it. It wasn't like it wasn't like oh there was some allegations of fraud or oh there were some allegations and or some proof of you know some shenanigans that happened or oh you know they changed the the Republicans changed the rules in an illegal and unconstitutional matter two weeks before the election and so even though it was six votes we don't think it was a valid like none of that none of the actual valid reasons like when the Republicans objected to certifying the results there were actually valid reasons to doing so. And so then she says, so she says, oh, well, the, the Republicans can't call us hypocritical because, uh, you know, when the Republicans did it, they had valid reasons. But here, when we're doing it, we're just doing it for raw partisan reasons. Like what? This was a really interesting article headline or graph. It talks about mortgage originations by credit score. And if you look, the mortgage originations have been skyrocketing, but almost all of them are from 760 or higher credit scores, which means basically if you have really good credit, you'd basically be insane not to have refinanced your mortgage in the last year.
But like basically a lot of lower credit people aren't getting it. Like if you look back here in 2000, um, during the housing boom, lots of people with even a less than 620 credit score were getting mortgages. Now, almost nobody with less than 600. So the Wall Street Journal headline is, the pandemic boom ignited a housing boom or the pan the pandemic ignited a housing boom but it's different from the last one and this is uh all about the real estate market i'm hoping the real estate market calms down right now because right now it's insane it's there's no inventory prices or properties are going properties are going on the market and then and then being bought up within a day or two for more than the asking price i mean it's preposterous Okay, residential home sales are hitting peaks last seen in 2006, just before the bubble burst. But this time mortgages are stricter, down payments are higher, and a tight supply is supporting prices. The residential real estate market is on its biggest tear since 06, just before the housing bubble burst and set off a global recession. Yet in nearly every meaningful way, today's market is the inverse of the previous boom. Anthony Lamacia, a broker and owner of a real estate company near Boston, entered the industry in 04. Home buyers were trading up to bigger, more expensive houses after barely a year, he said. Many buyers paid small down payments or none at all. When housing prices stopped rising, the market collapsed. By 2009, Mr. Lamacia was working with clients desperate to dump the homes he had just helped them buy. Ugh, that would suck, dude. Do you know how bad that would suck to buy a house and then have the economy crash and, and the real estate prices crash and lose your job or something? That would destroy somebody financially. That is, that would be tough. On $1 million purchases, people are putting down $500,000. You said you didn't see that before. Jeez, $500,000 for a down payment? On 2020, sales of previously owned U.S. homes surged to their highest level in 14 years, and many economists forecast sales to rise again this year. How? How can sales just keep going up? This real estate market's got to come down to earth. In the mid-2000s, loose mortgage lending standards enabled borrowers with poor credit histories to purchase homes beyond their means, sometimes with mortgages that required low payments in the early years of the loan. Too much new construction led to an oversupply. Financial firms packaged risky mortgages as securities and sold them to investors. When more homeowners started defaulting on their mortgages, lenders suffered large losses and the entire financial system froze up. Many homeowners paid a big price. Between 2006 and 2014, about 9.3 million households went through foreclosure, gave up their home to a lender, or sold in a distressed sale, according to a 2015 estimate. Ouch, man. 9.3 million, that's a lot. We're in a housing boom right now. And it's it's nationwide. You know, it's worse. I think it's worse in places like Montana where people are buying to try to get out of the cities and try to get out of lockdown areas. But it's definitely nationwide. It's crazy. I don't know. Maybe I'll regret waiting. Maybe I should just buy as soon as I can so that, you know, I can get in before the prices go even higher. Which I kind of think they will. Here's the thing. To really do, to really, really, really purchase a, a house the right way, a, the conservative way, and this isn't even something. This isn't even what Dave Ramsey recommends. This is even even less conservative. Dave Ramsey is more conservative than this. But I think I think a good a good way to go about buying a house is to do twenty percent down. So you need twenty percent down, 
And then you should still have uh, emergency savings of about six months worth of expenses. And like when I buy a house, you know, we're going to have to buy furniture too. And so like, let's say, let's say that I was going to try to buy a $300,000 house. Okay. $300,000 house. 20% of that is $60,000. So you need $60,000 just to do that. And then let's say you need $20,000 for furniture. That gets you to, so you need $80,000. And then you need six months of expenses, which is what? You know, $40,000 or $30,000, another $30,000. You're looking at, you need like over, you need like $120,000, $130,000 saved up. But that's obviously, obviously you can buy a house with 3% down, no savings, blah, 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 blah. But I don't know if I want to do that. The current housing boom is far more stable than the last one and poses fewer systemic risks, economists say. A downside, there are more barriers to entry and it's more difficult for buyers who aren't already homeowners to make that first purchase. See? It's more difficult for buyers. This is interesting. This is super interesting. I was talking to a real estate agent who said that the way that, okay, so the way that um, appraisals work, you know, with actual licensed appraisers is they look at, they look at comparable sales. They look at the other sales that are very similar to whatever property it is. And recently, you know, what is a recent sale? Because obviously the price of properties is um, determined by how much somebody is willing to sell it for and how much somebody is willing to buy it for. And so appraisers look to comparables or comps as they call them to appraise a home, right? And so over the last year with values going sky high, values going sky high, um, they're just now starting to show up in actual appraisals because as these prices were going insane, like you'd get appraisals that show it's a low value, but then it sells for this insanely high price because of this market situation. And so now, now that after that, after that goes on for a certain number of months, three months, six months, now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden your appraisals start coming back with these huge sky high numbers. Um, and he said that a lot of the banks now a lot of the banks are no longer trusting appraisals because they do not believe that these values are legitimate. And so, yeah, you might you might have the comps. The comps might say that it's a totally legit appraisal. The comps might say that the house is really worth this. But the banks who actually have money on the line, sometimes, not always, most of the time they're selling it. They don't even have money on the line. But I'm not sure if that's kind of been changed a little bit either. They're starting to second guess these appraisals and saying, hold on, you might have comps that show it's worth this, but this is a crazy market. So we're not, we're not going to loan you that much on that property because we don't think the, the, the comps are legit because you got, you got this appraisal done and it was based on home sales that were in this insane, insane market. Financial firms are still packaging mortgages as securities, but the vast majority of those mortgages have government backing. So most mortgages are backed by the government. Does that not strike anybody else as just wrong? Why, why should the federal government be backing mortgages and student loans? Where, where in the Constitution does it say that the federal government has the power to back student loans and mortgages. 
Sales of existing homes surged to their highest level in 14 years, and the median price climbed above 300,000 existing home sales. So we're literally back. We're 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 back at the financial crisis. We're back at the financial crisis levels. But nobody's worried about it, guys. No, because guess what? No, no. Everybody's got better credit scores this time. These are more legit. These are more legit. Don't worry, guys. Even though even though all the graphs and all the numbers and everything says we're back at the same, same place we were before the 2008 financial crisis, don't worry about it. Nope, it's different this time, guys, because our buyers have better credit scores this time. So don't worry. We have better credit scores. Don't worry. But here's, here's the thing, Tally Man. You don't know when it's going to crater. It could crater next month. Or it could crater in 10 years or 20 years or 30 years. You know, that's, what's, that's one thing that Rush Limbaugh talked about under the Trump administration, where actually it was kind of, I, I kind of didn't like it at the time. But Rush Limbaugh talked about how, you know, we've been hearing, we've been hearing for 40 years that our government debt is going to cause the economy to crash. And for 40 to 50 years, everybody's been saying, oh, the economy's going down, the economy's going to crash, the government debt, the government debt. And yet, we haven't really faced the reckoning on it. Doesn't mean that we won't someday. Doesn't mean that we won't someday. It does mean, though, that nobody knows when, and it could be a lot longer than you think. Think about it. How much longer, how much longer can we kick the can down the road? How much more money can the Federal Reserve print and still have this economy continue to operate? I don't think anybody knows. I think a lot of people would say this path is unsustainable. This can't keep going on forever. This has to, we're on an unsustainable path. This, we either fix this and get off of this train or we're going over the cliff. But even if, even if we're going over the cliff, people don't know when it's going to happen. Between July and December, eight of the 30 largest U.S. mortgage lenders announced plans to go public. Those trying to break into the market for the first time have rarely found it more difficult. Dude, this is me. This is me right here. Those trying to break into the market for the first time have rarely found it more difficult. Yeah, it is difficult to try to be a first-time home buyer right now. U.S. house prices soared 11% in the fourth quarter from a year earlier on a seasonally adjusted basis. The biggest annual increase in data going back to 92. You know what? You know what, though? But remember, guys, there's no inflation there's no inflation happening, guys. No, there's no inflation. Never mind that the stock market's at its most, at, at it got its highest PE ever. Never mind the real estate prices are at the highest ever and skyrocketing. Nope, there's no inflation. No inflation. Don't worry. Don't worry about it, guys. There's no inflation. The median home purchase price climbed above $300,000 last year for the first time. Wow, median home purchase price above 300k. Wow. Building material shortage adds to pandemic challenge. 71% of commercial construction contractors face at least one material shortage. This is the other reason I think we're going to see a lot more inflation than we're than people are talking about. Like we're sh there's there's shortages of all kinds of different things because of the pandemic. You can't buy graphics cards. You can't get construction materials. You can't get f f gaming uh, controllers for flight flight gaming. I mean, 
It just seems like everywhere you look, there's some kind of a supply shortage of something. Project delays due to COVID-19. I believe it. Yeah, I read there was a big huge there was a big huge article in the Wall Street Journal we read a while ago about the lumber situation. There's a massive shortage of lumber and lumber prices are skyrocketing. Oh, let's see what the real clear politics headlines are. What's driving the woke revolution? Oh, that might be interesting. What is driving the woke revolution? The weak. What the woke revolution is and isn't Damon Linker. The great awakening is gathering speed. Hardly a week and barely a day or an hour goes by without a fresh incidence of cancel culture or another woke scandal breaking in the news. I'm so sick of this wokeness, dude. I can't handle any more woke stuff. When are people going to start pushing back on this wokeness? Six Dr. Seuss books were discontinued by their publisher because an advisory committee flagged racist images within them. They weren't racist images, the least one that I saw. The committee, the incoming editor-in-chief of Teen Vogue has gotten into hot water for tweeting anti-Asian remarks 10 years ago when she was a teenager. Teenagers, really? I think we should be a little bit more forgiving for stuff people did in their teens. The surge of censoriousness isn't just taking place in the worlds of journalism, media, and publishing. It's leaving lasting marks on a wide range of universities, producing anger at elite prep schools, inspiring sweeping decisions by public school boards, and having a strong influence on how corporate departments of HR and government agencies lay down expectations for employees and otherwise deal with members of their staff. That's what the worst, the worst part about this woke, this wokeness is the fact that businesses and companies are doing it to employees. That's so terrible. How should we explain this wildly proliferating trend? Where did it come from and where might it be going? Okay, the answer to that is, before we read the rest of this, the way that we explain this wokeness is it is basically liberalism, leftism run amok. It's, um, it's, Marxism, it's it's social Marxism, um, it's victimhood culture, it's a way to view the world that is basically destroys anybody's notion of personal responsibility or personal accountability, it's a way to cause government to get bigger and more powerful. Um, it's a religion. It's a religious belief. It's a spiritual and a religious belief for these leftists. That's how you explain it. That's how you explain woke cult, counterculture, cancel culture. Thank you guys for being here. Gosh, it felt good to be back. Gosh, it felt so good to be back. I'll be live again tomorrow night. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you for the support. Thank you for the hype trains. We'll catch you guys on the next one. Thank you so much.